Hey friends, Bricky here. I won't talk too long or take up too much of your time because I'm really excited about what I'm going to be releasing for you today. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be putting a lot of more content back on the podcast feed. I've just got a lot going on and needed to kind of figure out a priority for everything. But I believe I found a great solution for the Disneyland for Designers podcast feed. Name will be changing soon, but for right now, I just wanted to share with you the audio track of a documentary that I made over on one of my new YouTube channels, Diz Cover. That's D-I-S Cover over on YouTube if you want to see the visuals for what you're going to hear today. However, don't let that keep you from not listening. As all of my documentary videos start with a script, then a read, and then I go through a lot of time perfectly trying to match music with the emotion of the story that I'm trying to tell. So just sit back and for 19 minutes, I would love to tell you the story of Walt Disney Incorporated, which really illustrates Walt's ambition and mindset going into the third and final act of his life. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, let me know somewhere. I don't know where, but just let me know. I always appreciate to know that you're on the other side. So greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Bricky here. Today, it's the story of Walt Disney Incorporated. I hope you enjoy it. And if you'd like to see the video companion to this piece, head over to Discover Disney on YouTube. And if you'd like to support this content or any other content, consider joining club1313.com where I put up almost a daily podcast called The Black Book, where I take everybody into the creative process of all the things that I do. Enjoy. And thank you for showing up. Once upon a time, Walt Disney, the mastermind behind one of the most beloved entertainment studios in history, built a second company that would change everything. This company would go on to create Disneyland, but not without a catch. Walt would charge his own company to use his name and attractions that he personally owned at Disneyland, all while lining his pockets with generational wealth. The tension between Walt and his brother Roy, his closest business partner, would reach a boiling point, resulting in the two brothers not speaking to one another. Walt would also make an unlikely alliance with rival motion picture studio, Paramount Pictures, and almost leading the Walt Disney Company to sue its own founder and namesake. This is a different version of the Walt Disney story, a version that includes ambition, betrayal, and family drama. It's the story of Walt Disney Incorporated. The story starts with the idea that Walt Disney needed to form a company to control the rights to three things. Two Disneyland attractions that he personally owned and his name, Walter Elias Disney, which fun fact, he also owned. But the short version of this story is a complicated mouthful. Retlaw Enterprises, or Walter, spelled backward, was originally Walt Disney Miniature Railroad, then became Walt Disney Incorporated, or WDI, and then WED Enterprises, or simply known as WED, which stands for Walter Elias Disney. That's the short version of the story. But the good news is that we've also created a longer version. A longer version that begins in 1950, five years before Disneyland would open to the world, when Walt Disney formed Walt Disney Miniature Railroad in 1950 to manage the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad, his elaborate backyard miniature railroad. The backyard train attracted visitors to Disney's home. 
where he would invite guests to ride and occasionally drive his miniature train. And even though it was miniature in scale, one-eighth the size of a real locomotive, it was also pretty huge for the scale of being a backyard train set, running 2,600 feet, which is over seven football fields in length. Oh, you're a Disney fan, not a sports fan. Well, in Disney terms, 2,600 feet would be enough track to ride the Disneyland Railroad, pulling out from the Main Street train station and ending up at the back end of Big Thunder Mountain. You could easily see the liability of strangers coming to your home to ride and possibly drive your small backyard train. And it's a good thing that Walt Disney set up Walt Disney Miniature Railroad as a business to assume liability for the backyard train endeavors. Because three years later in 1953, after an accident occurred in which a guest was injured, the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad was closed to the public. Thanks a lot, careless miniature train passenger. Now nobody gets to ride a train at Walt's house. The Walt Disney Miniature Railroad went through some big changes in December of 1952. It got a new name, Walt Disney Incorporated, or WDI for short. Like with many creative projects, things can change along the way as new ideas come up and life experiences begin to shape them. And that's exactly what happened with the company formerly called Walt Disney Miniature Railroad. While it was originally created to manage Walt's hobbyist train line and protect him from any legal issues, its purpose began to take a major turn. Its purpose was changed to to produce TV shows. From a small backyard railroad with no real conflict with Walt Disney Productions to TV production, I think you can easily start to see where a conflict of interest lies ahead. And in February of 1953, Walt Disney obtained exclusive TV rights to the intellectual property of Zorro. He then created some TV scripts and pitched the idea to CBS and NBC. However, before either network would commit to buying the idea, they requested that Walt create a pilot episode to show them what the series would be like. The production of the Zorro TV series was postponed because Walt Disney Incorporated had another major project in the works. Building Disneyland. Initially, the goal of Walt Disney Incorporated was to create TV entertainment, but as always, Walt Disney's creative mind couldn't sit still for very long. It seems Disney had had so much fun with his miniature backyard railroad that he started dreaming of something bigger. Why not build a train that would circle a theme park in the farmland of Anaheim, instead of just running around his Holmby Hills backyard in Los Angeles? The train idea grew into an ambitious place where Disney could bring his animated stories to life and invite his guests to step into the magic of Disney. But wait a minute. I thought Disneyland was built by WED, not WDI. Both are right, and then again, both are wrong. Walt Disney handpicked a talented creative team, both from the inside and outside of the company, to design Disneyland. Together, they founded WED Enterprises, which is now known as Walt Disney Imagineering. 
Roy Disney didn't agree with Walt's decision to create a new company, as he believed it would mean taking a bigger share of the income from Walt Disney Productions and giving it to Walt's family. This made Roy feel betrayed and he thought that it might look like Walt was double dipping. There were two separate companies, Walt Disney Inc. and Walt Disney Productions, which now is called the Walt Disney Company, and Roy was concerned about how this might look to others. Roy Disney didn't care about being in the spotlight, but he wasn't sure about the Disneyland project and was worried about a possible conflict of interest. And he got upset when he found out that Walt was considering hiring an agent to champion Walt's interests aggressively with Walt Disney Productions. And was surprised, since Walt had never seemed overly concerned about his own wealth before. Roy was particularly upset about Walt claiming ownership of the Disney name, especially since Walt had already changed the name of the company once before, from Disney Brothers Productions to Walt Disney Productions, to emphasize his own creative role. Even though Roy wasn't happy about the situation, he decided not to confront Walt directly and instead went along with his plans, avoiding a showdown with Walt. To avoid criticism from shareholders who might not like the idea of Disneyland, Walt Disney wanted to keep the project separate from his studio, so he changed the name of Walt Disney Inc. to Wed Enterprises, now known as Walt Disney Imagineering. Walt used his own money to pay for a team of designers and animators to work on the plans, and these creative people became known as Imagineers. Wed Enterprises opened a new location in Burbank in 1953 on the Disney lot. At the time, other Hollywood production companies like Columbia and Republic had also started their own subsidiaries. Screen Gems and Hollywood Television Service. Wed Enterprise was created specifically as Walt Disney's command center for the Disneyland theme park because he wasn't sure if Walt Disney Productions would support the idea. Since Walt Disney was known for being unconventional, he decided to launch his ambitious project by working independently from his own studio. To finance the construction of Disneyland, Walt Disney made a deal with Walt Disney Productions' rival, Paramount. ABC Paramount agreed to give $500,000 or $5.5 million today to Disneyland and guarantee in loans $4.5 million or over $50 million today. In exchange, Walt Disney promised to create a TV show every week. Walt Disney Productions would also invest one-third of the needed funds, while Walt Disney himself and some of his private connections would finance the remaining balance. Walt Disney gave his own company ownership of licensing his name and likeness. His company also owned the Disneyland Railroad, Mark Twain Steamboat, the Viewliner Train of Tomorrow, and later on, the Disneyland Monorail. Walt's company would own these attractions and essentially lease them to Disneyland, which was owned by Walt Disney Productions. Since Walt Disney's own company, Wed Enterprises, owned the Disneyland Railroad, he was responsible for the financing creation of two trains for the park's opening day. Train 1, the CK Holiday, was designed to look like a miniature locomotive named Lilybell, 
which was the train Walt owned and operated in his backyard. The Lily Bell was modeled after the Central Pacific 173 locomotive. The second train, the E.P. Ripley, was designed to look like the Baltimore and Ohio 774 locomotive. Both of these locomotives are the same in terms of mechanics, but have aesthetic differences. Both trains were named after Santa Fe Railway presidents and Walt Disney's last name spelled backwards, Retlaw. The two Disneyland Railroad trains were expensive, costing over $240,000 or $2.5 million today. Each locomotive alone was $40,000 or just under a half a million dollars evaluated by today's cost. Walt Disney's personal company paid rent for using the attractions at Disneyland and hired administrators to manage them. Despite this operational expense, the attractions made a lot of money over the years and were worth millions. And even though it may seem Walt was only looking out for Walt, Walt Disney Productions was the big winner with the opening of Disneyland. When Disneyland opened, it became a huge success and a turning point for Walt Disney Productions. Before Disneyland, the company had faced financial difficulties as an independent production company in Hollywood. But it now had a steady flow of income that would allow it to build for decades to come. However, with the success of Disneyland, Walt Disney's focus shifted toward the theme park business, and Walt's other Disney activities were all reevaluated. Wed's theme park design and architectural group became so integral to Walt Disney Productions that in 1965, Walt Disney Productions bought Wed Enterprises, the theme park design and architectural group, along with its name. However, Wed had other assets that needed protection under a new corporation, which became Retlaw Enterprises, or Walter, spelled backwards. Walt Disney, who had a love for trains, and after all, his love of trains got him into this huge mess, decided to keep ownership of the Disneyland Railroad, the monorail, and name rights, and other assets under his personal company. Keeping ownership of these attractions would later bring in millions of dollars for his family. And in 1986, Wed Enterprises was renamed to Walt Disney Imagineering. Remember when Walt Disney went from managing his backyard train set to getting into television and then got distracted by all that Disneyland nonsense? Well, after Walt's passing at the end of 1966, his company would return to his original vision of television. After Walt Disney's passing, Retlaw Enterprises became more involved in the television industry by purchasing TV stations instead of producing content as was Walt's vision. By 1998, Retlaw owned 12 stations. And in 1999, the stations were sold for a total of $250 million, which would almost be $370 million in today's dollars. In 1982, the Disney family sold the naming rights and ownership of the rail-based attractions at Disneyland to Walt Disney Productions. Between 1955 in 1991, the family had earned over $75 million in net income from these attractions. 
So this made Roy's concerns about Walt's double dipping seem pretty valid. When the attractions were sold in 1982, the Disney family earned an additional 42 million in Disney stock, which was divided up among Lillian, Diane, and Sharon Disney. And that 42 million in Disney stock was in addition to the 75 million that Retlaw had already earned over the years from these attractions, making Walt's decision to keep the railroad and monorail a $100 million decision. And if Walt's goal with Disneyland was to even further establish his legacy while taking care of his family generationally, he accomplished both of these goals and then some. Walt not only had a vision for entertainment, but also for making money. And his brother Roy was always wise to his tactics. And in 1982, Roy E. Disney, Roy's son and Walt's nephew, voted against the offer to give Retlaw 800,000 shares of Walt Disney Productions. Finally, Roy's side of the family had stood up to Walt. Walt Disney Miniature Railroad, which became Walt Disney Inc., and then quickly switched to Wed Enterprises, would build Disneyland and then dissolve into a family trust, Retlaw Enterprises, marks an important history in the third and final act of Walt Disney's life. It indicates an older, wiser Walt Disney still looking to challenge himself creatively, but at the same time, looking out for himself and his family. Walt Disney not only pulled away from his original company, Walt Disney Productions, to build Disneyland, but also from his closest friend, business partner, and blood relative, Roy O. Disney. In the 60s, with payments to Walt's wed and rent loss soaring and shareholders threatening a lawsuit, the board had never approved Walt's self-serving arrangements. Roy confronted Walt during a weekend the family spent together at Walt's Smoke Tree Ranch in Palm Springs. The moment the subject of wed was broached, the brothers boiled over. They yelled at each other the entire weekend. Damn it, I want to be on par with what other people are making in this industry, Roy, Walt yelled at one point. If you don't do that, I'm going to leave. Walt and Roy didn't speak for the next six months. Eventually, after contentious negotiations, Walt Disney Productions would buy back WED from Walt, including the rights to use the Disney name, and the family made millions in the process. But that's just business, and even the business of making magic can have all the same ugly sides that come along with trying to make money. But on a personal side, mending the fences that Walt had damaged and looking out for himself and his family, he needed to make one more thing right. Walt gave Roy a wooden peace pipe, which he hung on his office wall, and it read, it was wonderful to smoke the pipe of peace with you again. The clouds that rise are very beautiful. Roy E. Disney, Roy's son, later inherited this pipe from his father and kept it in his office. The story of Walt Disney Inc. I believe is a happy story. The Walt Disney Company got wed in Walt Disney Imagineering. Walt's family was set up for life with Retlaw Enterprises. 
and Roy got a peace pipe and realized that his brother loved him but needed to be selfish to see through his vision. And Walt and us got Disneyland out of the deal. All combined, that's a heavy haul for a small backyard train set.